0: Today was like one of the busiest days of the week for me. So, okay, out of, out of nowhere,
1: we <laughs> <You> hate that. <laughs> yeah, that's right.
0: So, uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for coming on the show. I don't know if if you've uh, looked at my content, but I don't my podcast. I don't really like do intros. We just get into it. No,
1: yeah. I, I've definitely watched it. I love it. It's great. Uh, oh, cool.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I hate I hate the podcasts that are like fully edited all the time. Cause uh, I feel like the best co- podcasts are more like organic and, you know, you just go into it and whether it's 30 minutes or an hour, it's, it's cool to see where the conversation goes. So, I love that. um, and it's pronounced Cortland, right?
1: Yeah. I was named after an apple, but a lot of people don't know. <laughs> they never tried it. I don't even like it. It tastes like crap. <laughs>
0: <laughs> What's your favorite apple if you had to be named an apple? Like Macintosh?
1: Um, no, Granny Smith. <laughs>
0: what a great name
1: Apple. <laughs>
0: well uh Cortland, again i'm i'm tony and uh my, my podcast we talk a lot about health wellness and kind of social interaction and how uh you know social media plays a big impact on our lives and our mental health and and things like that and as a creator yourself i just kind of wanted to get to know you get to know your space a little bit and maybe you could share your story with my audience and yeah. uh, we could talk about how you became a, a creator
1: yeah, um, so I actually went to school for environmental science. I like did not even know I was going to go into like film production until my sophomore year of college. I became cool. a PA a few times because I grew up in New York City and I just saw, oh my God, let me turn off my Slack. I'm so sorry. Okay, okay. <laughs> um. That, by and, the way, that
0: noise is like so triggering for me because my last company, all we used was Slack and I was like, oh, yeah. I hated that sound.
1: Yeah, I'm working with... editor team so i'm on like five different slack channels and it's just like beep 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 beep, 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 all the
0: time (laughs) right on
1: (laughs) um but yeah pretty much i fell in love with being on a set and i got almost a full ride with environmental science so i had to stick with that major but every single summer i was like i need to intern somewhere in film i tried casting directing i've tried like doing pa work in showtime that was my first job out of school i was there for a year but i realized like being in the office all day just editing nonstop in a dark room like took such a toll on my mental health and i needed kind of a mix of a bunch of different things and i feel like all the creators now wear a bunch of hats and i think it's so special that we don't have to be so confined in one niche which is awesome
0: (laughs) yeah that's so true especially like when it comes down to like Videoing. People don't understand, you know, the the work and be a creator and video things, whether that's, you know, you're doing something as a director or you're just a production dude or dudette. Yeah. And um then it comes the aspect of the hard part of being in the room, like you said. And that to me is is definitely the especially as a podcaster. I mean, I'm I'm editing all the time and it is just it has a big toll on your mental health for sure.
1: Yeah, well, especially since you're not talking to anyone and you're just staring at a screen. Mm-hmm. And I'm a night owl. I usually like edit really late at night, like at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. And that's even more chaotic because you don't have a regular yeah. sleep schedule. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't want to waste the day editing, so I kind of lean towards when it's dark out. Um, mm,
0: that's smart.
1: That's, no, I don't know if that's a smart way to handle it because then you're sleep deprived. So I don't yeah, know. And,
0: and you're trying to dose yourself with caffeine and, you know sleeping pills and yeah, it's, uh, there, there's really no right way. I, I think unfortunately when it comes out doing all that stuff, except the right way would probably delegate. But you know, if you're anything like me, I've tried delegating before and I've used like companies that do editing and uh, they do great work, but I usually find myself doing revisions or telling them to do stuff because when you're a creator, I would imagine kind of like a director, if you're a director of like a major motion picture and it goes through the editing process, if you have someone else editing, You're probably going to do the revisions. It's going to mess with your timeline. You know, some of the best directors, I was just listening to a podcast with um, Louis C.K., who's a comedian and obviously has done a a lot of uh, directing stuff. And he always talks about where he edits and directs everything himself, but he's in the room doing it himself. And I didn't know that. That, That's fascinating to me that a lot of directors end up doing the editing themselves, like James Cameron and some of these bigwigs, because Mm -hmm. there's no one's eye like yours. You know, it's, yeah. it's it's your vision. It's your whatever that content is. You want to be a part of it as much as you can. But unfortunately, the editing process sometimes takes longer than the actual filming. So
1: yeah, especially when you have such a direct vision, I think just being mm. in the room and just saying spot on, like don't use that clip, saves so much time on like frame <laughs> stuff yeah. like, like going back and forth. It just takes way longer. So for sure. Mm
0: -hmm. And what's your uh, specialty? What do you like doing the most? Do you typically do a lot of lifestyle film? So,
1: um, I do mainly videography and I edit a lot too, but I'm starting to notice that my way of where I want to go is creative directing. I'm kind of very sick of filming. I didn't go to film school. I'm, I'm still trying to learn all the technical aspects. It's also so frustrating because there could be something happening on a shoot that day. And something's fucked up with your camera and it's so I rather not have that pressure and be the one overseeing the shot I've just noticed that's kind of more where I'm starting to lean towards for sure but my background is mainly doing videography and then I got into editing I do a bunch of random stuff yeah (laughs) that's awesome
0: and are you a full-time creator and videographer
1: yeah so I'm a full-time uh mainly creative director now, but um videographer and editor. I do a lot of campaign ads for a bunch of different brands. Um so I come up with the concept, then actually film it and edit it and like put it out into the world. But I've right. noticed that when it comes to filming on a set, I'm just like don't give me that camera. It's just too much pressure. It's just too much. <laughs> I yeah. Like I have to do it anyway. Like I'm forced into it from like Give
0: it to someone else. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I'm I'm a hundred percent with you. I used to work uh, prior to me working for myself because now I'm a, a full time uh, creator and I'm a podcast mm-hmm. coach and a UGC creator. Mm-hmm. So I uh, my whole business has revolved around content for years. Mm-hmm. And prior to this, I worked at Monster Energy, and I was in the marketing department, and I was there for almost a decade. And I've I've dealt with everything from being on set uh, with big shoots to negotiating big contracts and going to events and filming that and then editing that. And, you know, they're bringing like red cameras and, you know, the new Sony equipment and the new rope. And now I'm like, as as I'm getting deeper and deeper into creating content for brands and collaborating with people like yourself and uh, working with people on my podcast, it's so funny how like the perception of the consumer has changed just within the last two years to oh, where yeah. like, I'm on my mirrorless Canon right now mm-hmm. and you're on what I would assume is a webcam or.
1: Yeah, it's just my computer. Yeah. <laughs> my call does not look like yours. <laughs>
0: no, no, no. But dude, that's my point. It looks fine. It looks great.
1: No.
0: And, and me, and I'm sure you're picky too, but mm-hmm. me, I used to be so picky with my podcast and things, but now people love the authentic, you know, like the UGC, TikTok style type of shit. To where I've spent so much money, I'm sure, like you have, on trying to make it look perfect because, like, that's what Peter McKinnon told us to do. You know what I mean? But yeah. now we're now we're kind of like, eh, it is what it is. Like as long as the content's good, the the quality of the the video or the audio isn't necessarily the most important. As long as the the substance of what you're talking about is important. Um, yeah. You know, it's,
1: it's weird though because coming from an artistic perspective and just falling in love with cinematography it gets me like happy but also extremely sad because it's pushing our form to be able to make something yeah. so beautiful and now people are just like they'll swipe away as soon as they see something remotely cinematic. And even with my own TikTok, like I try to make these like mini series focus on like music videos. And I've like put so much effort into it and like something stupid, like just so much better that's on my phone. I'm like, oh my God, I spent hours on this edit in this two second video of me being just like, doing something silly on my phone is so much better. It's, it's kind of sad.
0: <laughs> I know, man. And I don't even know like what the future holds. Like, I don't know if I want to go all in with this. Cause I haven't really changed my direction, um, yeah. with how I do content. Like I've, I've always wanted the best quality content, whether people like it or not. Um, and I don't know if it's going to bite me in the ass down the road or if people's perception is going to change. Cause you know, like way back in the day, you remember Instagram, like I don't, you don't have to tell me, but I'm 37. So mm-hmm. Instagram to me was a big deal when it came out, but it it was like I would post me behind someone at a red light and like the right, the light was red and the caption would be like, fucking red lights. Like <laughs> that was my Instagram when it first, yeah. you know, but mm-hmm. eventually it transitioned into like this beautiful like photography that I would do. Mm-hmm. And then of course now no one gives a shit about Instagram. So yeah. Like I'm, I'm, th- I'm kind of forward thinking in the aspect of like this UGC, this authentic thing might just be a fad and then eventually it's going to like maybe go back to high quality again. So I think I kind of mm. want to keep it, but then it's that weird thing like you said where my high quality stuff gets a couple thousand views and then mm. I did like this sauna review, like I bought a sauna on Amazon. Mm-hmm. and on my tiktok i just did like a tutorial like they, they didn't sponsor me or anything i just bought it and i really liked it and i was like hey you guys should buy the sauna check the link in my bio blah, blah, blah. yeah and that got like a million something views and i'm like
1: what it's, weird. it's really yeah. weird
0: <laughs> so it makes me question my entire life really i don't know
1: <laughs> i think it's so different coming from a video and photo background versus so many creators who are just mm-hmm. graduating and all I have is a phone I think it gives them so much opportunity to really grow on a, the platform but coming from me and you it's like we want to put in that art form and I think it really depends on the audience and who it attracts like some people absolutely adore seeing that and others are like I don't know I think their minds think it's gonna they think it's an ad so they just swipe it's it's weird
0: yeah that's a good point And then, like, from a filmmaker perspective, too, like, do you see yourself when you're working with brands and clients and you're doing, you know, you're showcasing your whatever cameras you got, whatever high tech stuff you got? And then the quality of the content, they're like, hey, this is great, but we want it to be more like this. And then they show you something that's less quality or like from a brand perspective, are they wanting the high quality stuff?
1: Um, I've never had it not be high quality. They usually want it to be very like they're putting so much money into it, they want it to look high enough quality. Yeah. Um, but there are a bunch of brands who pay for high quality ads and then also ask for UGC content on top of it. And I just mm. feel like UGC Authentic is its own niche now and it's either high quality or UGC, there's no really in between.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's a good point, I'm seeing that too. Yeah, because I realized that as I um, as I first dipped in, because I was in UGC before it was UGC.
1: Mm-hmm. And-
0: you know, now, yeah, now it's this like cool, you know, trendy thing, you you say. Uh mm-hmm. but me, I would just I would pitch it with brands, but I would use my high quality uh style mm-hmm. and then I would promote brands that way. But then mm-hmm. I started to realize as their budget changed a little bit, and they're like, Oh, we could just get with this creator and pay them fifty to a hundred bucks for a thirty second review. We don't need to pay Tony three fifty, four hundred, mm-hmm. and I'm like, fuck.
1: Yeah. It's hard, especially in this industry now, there's so many people who, I think being a content creator is the number one job people are sought out to look for now, especially someone just graduating college, they're like, Mm -hmm. let me make content for a living. And it's so difficult because they're either coming from wanting to make it beautiful or just posting anything. And you're competing against such a huge pool of people now. It's just hard.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And in, in just a matter of a couple of years, I mean, you know, I've I, I talked to a buddy the other day when he was on the show and mm-hmm. we were talking about th- would the creator economy be as powerful as it is today if mm-hmm. the pandemic didn't happen? It's mm-hmm. it, It's always an interesting thought that I have because I remember the inception of TikTok during the pandemic. You know, mm-hmm. everyone's at home. You know, you mm-hmm. figured there's eight billion people on the planet. Let's say half of them have a phone. It's four yeah. billion people probably downloaded TikTok and saw dances and started kind of seeing this funny, authentic, real content. And mm-hmm. then, you know, there's millionaires that were created on TikTok just in the last two oh. years.
1: So it's, while I'm so annoyed that I didn't get on it sooner. I like yeah, had it during the pandemic, but I like would post maybe once every five months as a joke. And I was like, yeah. What am I doing? Like, I <laughs> why did I take it more seriously? It's um, like the
0: one time I don't listen to Gary fucking Vanderchuck and this is what <laughs> happens to me.
1: It's so funny. I used to actually work at VaynerMedia for a year. Stop mm-hmm. it.
0: How yeah. was that?
1: He is awesome. He yeah. really understands like up and coming trends before they even slowly start to skyrocket. Like I've had conversations with him, just kind of spitballing his ideas. Yeah. And I noticed it happening like a month later. And I'm like, why did I not listen to him talking about TikTok? Cause he, I was there when TikTok was popping off and I was just so busy. It's so much work to create content every single day. Especially when you do that for a living to have to make content for yourself on top of other people you just get so burned out so quick and i think we just really need to be good with time management and i'm still trying to figure that out
0: (laughs) yeah dude that's the truth and you know Mm -hmm. i did realize and i I joke around you know watching gary Vee, and i'm sure you know since you since you worked with him but it's Mm -hmm. so funny how like you watch a guy like him and he's such an expert uh on content strategy and social media strategy. And you look at that and sometimes you look at him and say, you know, what you're saying is easy to say because you're in this position. But what people don't understand is that's like going up to Michael Jordan and asking him how to shoot free throw, Mm -hmm. right? Like you can, you can hear what MJ says, Mm -hmm. but then are you going to say what you're saying that because you're MJ? No, he's, he's the goat. We, We don't look at it like that sometimes because we think the content world is so like far fetched but it's really not it's far-fetched in the sense of it's a lot of work and Mm -hmm. when you start to implement what guys like Gary Vee and some you know strategists say and you actually do it and you see it working it's not Mm -hmm. an overnight success it's a lot of work just like it would be if you want to be Michael Jordan you're going to have to put in the time and the free throws to actually do what you got to do to do it and that's the hard part that's what's so kind of I don't want to say crappy about where it's at now but because it's so saturated you have to work a little bit harder than you did two yeah. years ago. 100%
1: yeah. I'll never forget. I mean, his key quote is like consistency is key. Like mm-hmm. it it really is. And especially even when I was growing up watching Casey Neistat, like he posted a vlog every yeah. day. Like that's a lot of work. Like it, it truly is. And on top of having a job, like, it's, yeah. it's difficult. And I think it's especially harder for people who are in a creative job to begin with. It's different if you were working in banking or something like that. And then you create content at home. Cause that's like your creative outlet. But since you have to be creative 24 seven with your nine to five, and then your five to midnight is you doing your own stuff. It's just a lot. <laughs> yeah.
0: well, and by the way, you're trying to juggle maybe having a relationship or if you have kids mm-hmm. or you know, you sure. want to hang out with friends. Um, and, you know, there there's a lot to be said about kind of what makes you happy. And mm-hmm. again, we, we go back to Gary because he talks a lot about that, too. But the one thing I realized when um, I was at this corporate job for so long and I got laid off due to the pandemic mm-hmm. and I was lucky enough to where me and my wife, we've had a couple houses and we were able to rent them and flip them and kind of make some capital. And then using that capital kind of gave me a little bit of a head start to take a few months off figure out what I wanted to do and at this point I was already about two years into my podcast and I'm like what is there what's something I could do that I could do for the next decade and love it and it was podcasting even the UGC and the creating the content that was great but I thought to myself all right in 10 years when I'm almost 50 years old our brand's gonna be like hey Tony can you create us a testimonial video like no one's gonna so I was like, I want a podcast just because I like doing it. Forget about the money. Mm-hmm. I just, I enjoy doing it. And I decided to go all in on it. And yeah, I've, you know, I'm, I'm super motivated where I'm at today with it.
1: I love it. You got a good voice for it. <laughs> oh,
0: thanks. My voice is kind of hoarse. Cause I've done three podcasts today. I normally do okay. like, I don't normally do that much, but I, uh, this week, like I said, it's been busy. Cause I did like three today um and then I did four yesterday so I'll do so this is seven this week and then I'll spend the next couple days editing mm-hmm. and that way I could release one or two per week and mm-hmm. I could kind of take a couple weeks off. That's usually how I like to do it.
1: I love that. You gotta go on vacation.
0: <laughs> Dude for real. And we just found out uh that my wife is pregnant.
1: Oh that's congrats. So,
0: thank you thank you. So that is gonna be uh I'm excited to have a co-host on my podcast. <laughs> I actually follow this dude, uh, Zeth. I don't know if you follow him on TikTok.
1: Probably. I've seen so many random creators. It's like hard to keep count, but I probably have seen him. (laughs)
0: He he started. This is another guy who's made tons of dough uh, with his channel. But it's so motivating because he started it when um, I think his daughter was born during the pandemic. I started following him because he would bring her on and she has like this cute little speech impediment and she could barely like put together words. And Mm -hmm. she was one at the time, I think, or, you know, six months, whatever. And then Mm -hmm. now she's, you know, two, three years old and their channel blew up their YouTube, their TikTok in that course of time because it's just him kind of like hanging with his daughter and, you know, reading books or talking about Disney World or whatever. And it's, it's the cutest thing in the world.
1: Oh, I'm not so, ready for kids yet. <laughs> definitely not there.
0: Yeah, take your time. <laughs> yeah, this
1: yeah, take my time for that. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. If I if I had to, I mean, you know, I'm I'm happy where I'm at, of course. But I, I spent mm-hmm. so so much of my time in my 20s and 30s trying to figure out what to do with my life, like we all mm-hmm. do. Yeah. And I I never really focused on what I should be doing, meaning, like what really makes me happy. You know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's funny cause everyone talks about it, right? Like the, the strategists and your parents and they're all like, you know, do what makes you happy. And you're like, yeah, whatever. Fuck you, mom, dad, I'm going to party and do. So no one really listens to anybody. You're just going to have to figure it out on your own.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and kind of that's where I'm at, you know, at my mid thirties, I finally figured it out. So.
1: And I guess everybody hope, though, that I think the more open we are and honest about not knowing what you want to do, yeah. the more like beneficial it is and more relatable. Because I think everyone is just BSing. How to, I'm i BS. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Yeah.
0: I mean, everyone's BSing. I mean, even think about it. Even doctors. Mm-hmm. They don't know what they're doing. They're reading books. And lo- that's not true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're trying to do whatever they can. But we're learning new stuff every day. I mean. Uh, When cigarettes really started booming, like doctors were recommending cigarettes because they thought it was beneficial. Mm -hmm. Like they didn't know. They're just figuring shit out. We're all figuring shit out. We don't know. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, what's kind of like your main goal in terms of. Uh, where you want to see your business going and, you know, where the content business is going? Like, where do you see it? Where do you see it happening?
1: I definitely think TikTok isn't going anywhere. Like, I've seen mm-hmm. so many articles saying, like, the U.S. is going to ban TikTok. I just think too many brands are so relying on it that the center of pop culture, like, you just even looking at music artists right now, one of their songs popping off of TikTok, they become, like, the top 10 in the charts. It's like such an incredible opportunity especially for someone who lives in the middle of nowhere and like i'm so thankful that i live in new york city and i am have so many opportunities like given to me because i live in this place but someone who lives in the middle of minnesota like they mm. sadly don't get those opportunities and to have social media be their outlet to get s- pretty much fame and money. I think it's incredible. And even the fact that brands now are trying to have a personality on social media and trying to give it an authentic version of themselves, I f- find just like fascinating and yeah. weird at the same time. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's a yeah, mix.
0: Cause it kind of goes, like I went to school for marketing and it goes against everything that you're taught in school. Like they're you know, when it's a brand, it's a brand like Nike is brand it's the brand identity there's never a person behind it you know of course there's athletes and things like that but you know now to your point companies have their own tiktok and there's a person behind that brand you know if it's adobe or if it's um tires plus or tire kingdom or small brands big brands like water companies coca-cola there's always like one or two creators just behind tiktok not their instagram but just their tiktok it's um It's kinda weird, but you know, when that person pops up, you're like, oh, that's the that's the brand of XYZ.
1: Exactly. I'm also just amazed by creators like I forgot his name, but he's the famous like fork ring guy. I don't know if you've seen him. I don't remember his at. But he became famous over the last year. He's over a million followers. just like during the pandemic, decided to make these cool rings out of like unique vintage forks and for someone you've seen it right yeah, it's seen that, yeah. um just to see businesses like blow up just yeah. out of nowhere and i don't know i think it's giving the sense of the american dream it's like true and it's real and you can really do anything if you put your mind to it as well as put the effort in so yeah, I kind of wish I was a teenager still having all this to, like, look forward to. <laughs> oh,
0: I know. Well, and to to even think that, you know, people nowadays, like, we used to look up to, you know, I don't know about you, but I used to look up to, like, Brad Pitt. You know, like, yeah. when I watched Fight Club, I was like, that's, I want to be an actor, and I want to be fit, and I want that body. That's who I want to be. And mm-hmm. it was, like, unattainable, right? But it was just something we told ourselves as kids. Yeah. Now you look at, like, a guy like Mr. Beast, for example. Mm-hmm. He only spent 10 years on YouTube and now he'll probably be the first billionaire YouTuber. And that yep. is a hundred percent attainable. If you're mm-hmm. a kid, whether you're on Twitch or you got an idea, you could mm-hmm. literally talk about whatever you want on TikTok or YouTube. And in 10 years, maybe sooner, you could mm-hmm. easily become a Mr. Beast of the World. Not as powerful as him because he's just like on a different level, but it's crazy. Yeah, it's a hundred percent possible to create a living and mm-hmm the people that we look up to, like I used to look up to Brad Pitt, these mm-hmm. folks are actually attainable now. You know, yeah. it's it's fascinating.
1: I think it's so amazing, especially growing up, I was obsessed with Sam Colder. Um, he was like my inspiration. I wanted to get into travel videography. That's was like, I need to be this man. <laughs> <You're in> America, <laughs> yeah. So I learned everything that I know about video editing and videography and photography all through YouTube. I never went to school for it. And the fact that you have the possibility to learn any skill for free now, it it's insane. Like you, I like technically didn't have to go to college. Um, and I think it's absolutely, I'm like lost for words. It's just incredible.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It almost, it almost doesn't make, like you talk about the American dream. That's the American dream. Like, the yeah. american dream we thought was going to college and you know graduating and getting a nice job with a 401k and yeah yeah, yeah. and i had all that i didn't go to college but i got the 401k i got all the health care and i got the corporate job that i was supposed to never get fired and the next thing you know shit hand like that mm-hmm. you know but when you work for yourself you know i don't know anybody that would fire themselves like that's kind of <laughs> so The
1: only scary thing about working for yourself and being freelance is just having that anxiety of not knowing how much your income is going to be
0: because
1: I was fully freelance for almost two years and I was just on high edge all the time. Like I felt like I couldn't go on any trip with any of my friends who offered me to go somewhere because I'm like... Oh, if I spend this amount, like, am I going to make the same amount next year? And it, and it's something that you have to be so prepared for as a creator and as somebody who just makes content for themselves. Yeah. yeah.
0: And ha- have you found yourself to get that security? Are you just doing a lot of contract deals or um, to where you're a little bit more secure now versus like?
1: Yeah. So yeah. I have um, a lot of consistent clients that come back every single month. So I have like a base salary now that I know that I'm making plus the freelance work. And I also started a TikTok agency, kind of focused on helping brands create, just pretty much a persona on TikTok. So all of that together gives me that system. Oh my god, I can't speak.
0: <laughs> Security, yeah.
1: Security, yes.
0: Yeah, for sure, that's yeah. that's amazing. Like, how long as a freelancer until you're at the point now to where you're comfortable? A couple of years.
1: Yeah, it was a couple of years yeah. for sure. I was really depressed and also kind of surprised that everyone's so quiet about it, especially mm. in the video realm. Like anytime I would go on a shoot and meet somebody else who is either a cinematographer, a videographer, a photographer, any of those, or even a crew, like somebody who even works as like the boom, like, like anything, they're mm. very, very quiet about their day rate, like, because mm. everyone paid differently, because you have to offer your amount. You don't just get like X, Y, Z. Like each person gets paid differently, and I, they like to stay quiet because they want to keep getting higher, which I understand. Yeah. Um But yeah, I wish it was more transparent. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> no, I'm I'm with you for sure. Especially me as a as a podcast coach, um, it's c- a pretty new realm in terms of like there's really no like market cap like the UGC stuff and you know maybe brand identity like that type of stuff you could charge and have, there's there's levels. There's tears. Uh, With the podcast coaching, there's so many different ways to do it. You know, like I do everything from full podcast coaching, like start to finish, like branding uh, your podcast, coming up with the name, the logo, the channel art, you know, SEO, uh, hosting, producing, recording, live streaming. Like I do all that. But then Mm -hmm. I also do like video editing clips. So if you already have a successful podcast and you just want clips, I do that. So there's like different levels. It's very technical and a, a lot of moving parts. But I could see how, like, down the road, I think, just like a lot of things, it'll kind of level out and there will be a certain rate. But mm-hmm. I'm kind of in that area now, like you mentioned with the, the boom arm, like, mm-hmm. what's his rate? We don't know. Let's not talk about <laughs> it. You know, but I'm I'm very transparent because I'm like, I want more people to do it because if more people get into this realm, I'm able to figure out what the market wants and what the needs are. And I could kind of adjust my pricing because a lot of people now look at podcasting as if it's not the next big thing and it's Mm -hmm. just getting started you know it's been around for two decades but Mm -hmm. it's really starting to create some some momentum you know similar to like content creation as a whole i mean that's a lot of people think it's kind of new but it's been around for a while it's just starting to become like a reality
1: yeah exactly i I mean people are always going to be driving and listening to podcasts there's just no way that it's going to (laughs) disappear
0: yeah i mean the fact that radio is still going on (laughs) Mm-hmm. It 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 makes me very it makes me optimistic for podcasting future because if radio has lasted whatever 100 years or whatever it's been I'm pretty sure podcasting will be around for at least a couple decades so
1: yeah 100
0: for your videography and and your type of background and in terms of like what you're using now are mm-hmm. you seeing uh, anything new in the uh, video game like in terms of camera or equipment anything that kind of excites you a little bit
1: um i love anything dji i'm like a big Mm. dji i i've like always wanted to buy the new drones that's definitely my my thing i really think the 360 instacam is amazing for content creators because you don't just get yourself you can also have the camera flipped at the same time and get the surroundings get people's reactions make it into like a full 3d bubble like it's so great also for that invisible stick you could be like looking like you're 20 feet away yeah. and especially with people who do cool stunts, like you don't need someone to film you anymore. You can do it yourself. Like, I just think that's the best camera for any content creator.
0: Yeah. So true. I'm starting to realize that now to where, uh, and I love your opinion on this to where like, if you're on set or if you're on location, normally you would need to create some really high quality content. You would need a couple people.
1: people, yeah. but
0: you know, you could probably get away with bringing like an Insta 360 or a GoPro 360 or you could probably do that and create some really good content, not as good, but some really good content that even brands would be attracted to. No.
1: Yeah. hundred percent.
0: Yeah. Which is great for the creator cause it's cheaper. So now if you charge XYZ for your rate, now mm-hmm. you can make a little bit more profit cause you're spending less money on equipment. Um, and it's, you know, I travel a lot too. Like I've done podcast traveling and, creating brands for businesses like outside my city, and it's a mess to bring a lot of equipment, as you know, I'm sure.
1: Oh, yeah, I try to keep it in one backpack. If it doesn't fit, it's like, come on with me. <laughs> That's
0: right. I'm gonna yeah. have to figure it out. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Uh, well, listen, I wanna be cognizant of your time. Uh, I, I mean, we're already at like 33 minutes. Can you believe it?
1: No, it's quick. <laughs>
0: I could probably talk content with you for hours, so we'll have to probably do this again. Um, okay. But I, I did want to ask you, so this is something I ask, uh, everybody that's, that comes on the show, um, uh, mm-hmm. in the last 12 months, uh, okay. what have, what have you, <laughs> what have, <laughs> think of every day, the last 12, no, uh, the last 12 months, what have you learned, uh, that has made you a better human?
1: Um, no pressure, I...
0: take your time. Da, na, na, na.
1: <laughs> um, I really think you have to put judgment aside. Um, growing up in New York City, I kind of definitely had a judgment bubble put on Mm me. Um, Especially you see some very weird, crazy stuff, just walking around the streets. But um, the more you have to take a step back and understand like, how the person got to this point is so beneficial. Like, if someone's having a bad day, and they're mad at you for absolutely no reason, you have to not get mad back and like actually think take a few steps, be like, did something happen to them? Like, don't give like your reaction right away and like really think twice before you're mean back. Like, I just think
0: mm.
1: everyone deserves kindness and the more kindness you give out into the world, I just truly believe in karma. And the more positive you are, the more it'll be attracted to you.
0: That's so true. No, and, and well said. And th- there's definitely something to it because I've, I've always thought I was a kind human uh, for mm-hmm. years and then i i did this kind of gnarly challenge last month where for the month of december i did 25 random acts of kindness mm-hmm. like leading up to christmas and it was I like it. it was kind of like crazy like things i would never do i was driving i saw a homeless person so i got out and just wrote him a note on a post-it folded it up and just gave it to him and it was like mm-hmm. a very cute you know inspirational note i think Mm-hmm. And I drove away and looked in my review mirror and saw him read it and saw him kind of like get a little emotional. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like that I would never do. But I, yeah. I, I've been trying to do things like that. And just the impact you can make on other humans is, is crazy. And of course you feel good. There's a little bit of selfishness, uh, with mm-hmm. that as well. But the fact that you can make someone's day, cause I've had some pretty hard days like we all have. And mm. if someone did that to me, I would, I would be forever grateful and, you know a lot of great things are happening in my life right now um mm-hmm. and i don't i don't want to say it's because of the last few months i've been like really focused on being kind but yeah. maybe there's something to it i don't know
1: like very, especially an advocate for always being nice online, especially with people you don't know. It like bothers me so much when people write such hateful comments to someone they've never met before, because you never know like what they're like battling with inside their head. And I'm just so scared, like one day someone's gonna read a comment and you might not even mean it in the most rude way, but they could take it so close to heart and it can affect them for years. I just, I, I don't think it's worth it. Even if I know maybe that person might be hurting, that's why they're hurting other people. Um, yeah. And I think mental health is so important right now. And I'm so glad that this generation is kind of voicing it and showcasing like we should stop Yeah. Guess, going in cycles of not like changing that.
0: Yeah, especially because we can make it a virus. You know, we talk a lot about the pandemic on this, but I mean, a a virus could be negative as well as positive. You know, if you can create positive energy on your For You page and you're just flooding it with nothing but positivity, eventually that's a lot of people pick up on that and hopefully that'll trickle down and spread, so to speak. And that's how you could spread positivity. But that's why we got to be vocal. We got to talk and we got to collaborate and and we just got to do everything we can to help each other because, you know, we never know what we how much time we have here like that's what you know I, I had kind of a, I'll leave it at this but I had kind of a gnarly um, rough year where I had a tumor in my lung and mm-hmm. that's what really opened my eyes to like start creating and start doing what I wanted to do and not find a corporate job because I didn't want to do it mm-hmm. and when I was in that hospital barely breathing having a tumor I had to get it removed thank goodness it wasn't cancerous but when you have something crazy, and we all have been there, but when you have something crazy happen in your life, mm-hmm. whether it's losing a family member or having some type of disease or something, shit changes. Your perception, mm-hmm. it changes. Ever since that happened, I tell my friends that think they have it rough, like you know they were stuck in traffic driving to my house, and I'm like, calm down, dude, it's not that, why are you upset? It's not sure that.
1: There is. Yeah, and, I think it, everything happens for a reason, and the fact yeah. that that happened to you is just a horrible thing. The fact that you now do what you love because of it, I, I think it was a weird blessing in some way. Yeah, yeah. Meant,
0: meant to be. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, it's like me. I'm I'm only like 5'5". Five, five. Okay. <laughs> so the fact that I was made fun of for like 20 years of my life, it worked out great because now my ego is so high and mm-hmm. I'm so confident. I'm glad I got made fun of because I was able to kind of now I just kind of shrug it off. It's no big deal. It's made me thicker. You know, I love that. Yeah. But hey, listen, Courtland, it was great uh, getting to know you and, and great hearing from me. I'd love to catch up with you soon. Yeah. And for, um, sure. and for people that I'm going to leave all your info in the episode notes and all that jazz. But for people mm-hmm. that are just watching or listening, where mm-hmm. can they find you? What's your socials, website, all that jazz?
1: Um, so I mainly post on TikTok. I love to. <laughs> <laughs> so my at is Courtland Tate as well as my Instagram, just Courtland Tate.
0: I love it. All right, help me congratulate Cortland on all of her successes. Uh, great job. We're virtual, but everyone's here applauding you. So, uh, wait,
1: am I? Oh, whoa! <laughs> I was like, I thought I was hearing things.
0: <laughs> yep, that's my uh, horrible soundboard because no one's in studio, <laughs> so this is my way. <laughs> Pretend that people are around me. The whole day. That's- <laughs> well, Cortland, thanks again, and we'll definitely stay in touch. And uh, I'll shoot you an email with some info. Uh, that I'll need from you. But uh, thanks again and uh, stay cool up there, huh?
1: You too. Have a good one. And right. congrats with the baby. That's thanks. awesome. Thanks. I'll let you know when
0: like 18 years out goes. We'll see. Oh, okay.
1: I'll okay. <laughs> right. see
0: you later. All right.
1: we'll
0: see. Oh, hey there. First of all, thanks for making it to the end of this video. Not a lot of people do according to the YouTube analytics, but I, I do want to say thanks for listening to this. There's some more episodes if you want to check those out. And they're all just as good. But if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the channel. Check out those timestamps below to reference uh, some of the topics I talked about, as well as some discount links to some of our sponsors and affiliates. But uh, thanks for listening to this episode, and uh, we'll see you next time.